Namaste everyone. Welcome to the Bharat Varta Weekly. I'm Roshan Karyapa. I have with me Nirav Kanodra and Abhishek Paul to discuss the news and views of the week that was. So on the weekly today, we'll be discussing a few things. The unfortunate case of an Indian student being shot dead in Canada. How India is helping Sri Lanka during its unprecedented economic crisis. The COVID XE variant and how Shanghai is dealing with it with lockdowns and everything uh, and plenty more. So welcome. Thank you for making it. So, Abhishek and Nirav, how are things that you are in? Going good, Terry. How are you? Going all right. Uh, I think the summer is, uh, you know, picking up, right? I mean, I'm saying this in Bangalore, which is, of course, perhaps the mildest of mild summers, I suppose, in India. But yeah. uh, so we'll begin with the first piece of news. Uh, in an unfortunate incident, um, an Indian student, age 21, was found shot dead in Canada. Karthik Vasudev, a resident of Ghaziabad, was shot outside a subway station in Toronto on Thursday evening. While he received medical attention by an off-duty paramedic, he later succumbed to his injuries upon being rushed to the hospital. While police think that uh, it was a robbery gone wrong, his family suspects that it's a hate crime. His father has also given multiple statements to the press, shedding light on the poor communication by the embassy and Canadian authorities. External Affairs Minister Mr. S. Jayashankar expressed his condolences to the family over the issue. Back in Canada, Karthik's friends and batchmates from the university organized a prayer ceremony in his memory. You know, it's pretty unfortunate, right? And not yes. something that you generally get from Canada. Yeah, actually, like a lot of the gun crime and the gun violence you associate the US yeah. with. And also like uh, muggings and like uh, robbery. Like here, we'll have to wait for the details. All you can say, like it's condolences to his family and friends. But uh, also what has happened is in uh, Canada, there are two other things. One is uh, you've had a lot of immigration, uh, legal immigration in Canada, right? And uh, two is, uh, what has happened is you've seen a lot, because of this immigration in the city center, etc. areas, right? Uh, there could be potential uh, hate crime because uh, people who are not doing very well for themselves, uh, they find these immigrants, they feel they're taking away their jobs, etc. And like this kind of uh, leads to more resentment as well as you've seen everywhere, uh, oil prices are up, inflation is up, so some of the people, this is where sometimes crime rises, right? It, it happens. So it's a very sad thing. This is not what we really associate Canada with. And uh, hopefully uh, there's a lot, huge Indian diaspora in uh, all of North America, but specifically like Canada. So hopefully this is dealt with in a uh, reasonable way. And uh, it doesn't spill over into like a worse law and order situation, right? Like, uh, so yeah. Uh, fingers crossed and uh, hope it was just an isolated incident. Yeah. No, plenty of Indians in Canada as well uh, and plenty continue to migrate uh, because of the very friendly immigration policies that Canada has. And this is certainly, you know, uh, surprising and shocking. I really hope that, uh, you know, uh, justice is uh, delivered. Uh, well, moving on. Akshita Murthy, the daughter of uh, Mr. Narayan Murthy, has been caught up in a tax row in the UK. Uh, Ms. Murthy is accused of avoiding up to $20 million in UK tax. However, she stated that she's exempt from paying taxes on overseas income in the UK due to her status as a non-domiciled citizen. It's interesting because she's also the wife of UK's finance minister, Rishi Sunak. Uh, this controversy comes at a time when Sunak's popularity is at an all-time low after backlash over his mini-budget in the UK parliament. Uh, Ms. Murthy has collected about 54.5 million pounds in dividends from Infosys. However, due to her non-domicile status, she was able to save about 20 million in taxes. Uh, Abhishek, what do you make of this? 
Yeah, so this is an interesting uh, episode currently going on in uh, British politics. Started off gaining sort of prominence when uh, it emerged. So, you know, India's role in this whole Russia-Ukraine conflict has been gaining sort of disproportionate attention, right? And so one of the things that the British media sort of started lapping up was that, you know, Infosys has operations in Russia and, uh, you know, Sunak is married to the daughter of one of the founders of Infosys, right? So that's how this whole angle came in. Uh, They sort of blew it totally out of proportion in saying that, you know, Infosys has a big presence in Russia and all that. Well, in reality, we all know it's really minimal, right? It hardly does any business in Russia. So that was the way they, it all sort of started. And then uh, apparently someone has uh, leaked to the press uh, the tax domicile status of uh, Akshata Murthy, uh, which basically tells that, you know, she... She has, uh, you know, decided to basically not become a British citizen, as far as I understand, but, you know, claim to be a non-domicile resident there, which means she pays uh, British tax on income in UK and then tax in other countries for her overseas income. So her uh, enforces dividend, which would be a very significant number, simply because as uh, the daughter of uh, NRN, she ha- ha- holds about, I think, 0.9% stake in Infosys, right? So, uh, yeah, I think uh, the British public, uh, in, I mean, sorry, the British media made it a big story in the last few days. And uh, apparently now she has come up with a statement declaring that, you know, she will be changing her, uh, you know, tax status and, uh, you know, will be paying uh, taxes in Britain for all her income. So, yeah, interesting. I think there's some other controversy emerging about uh, the green card status of uh, both of them. So, so, <laughs> so I was just, as I was telling, just reading The Guardian, and they have a question that, you know, when you take up green card status, you pledge allegiance to the United States. Right. And so uh, they're asking why was she okay to take green card there, but not okay to pledge allegiance to the UK. So, you know, all sorts of interesting things. I think the bigger background is, of course, that Sunak, uh, Rishi Sunak is like the number two guy in the Conservative Party today, or maybe one of the top three, four. You, you, I mean, arguably, you could say Preeti Patel is also a contender for the number two and a future PM slot. And I suppose it makes sense for, uh, and as you know, you know, these uh, elect, I mean, uh, the party politics is much more cutthroat in the UK, just like the US, right? Where people have to actually compete against each other to, to get to the top job in the party. And so it sort of makes sense for both uh, opponents of his party, as well as opponents within the party, I suppose to sort of make, uh, to target Rishi Sunak uh, in this controversy. So I think that's what is sort of going on. Apart from the whole underlying current of, uh, I suppose, racist or racism uh, that we have seen in how the Western media has covered 
india's role in the whole russia ukraine thing so that's all that's what i would say yeah. maybe nirav you could add something so, so yeah like here i just wanted to talk about the non domicile status so this is like a loophole which uh, uk has used for like a very long time a lot of the russian oligarchs uh, middle eastern uh, princes uh, they all live most of their time in uk and uh, so what it does is that given that their main source of income has nothing to do with uk for example like uh, uh, akshata murthy being a passive uh, shareholder in infosys not being actively involved it has nothing to do with the uk she's own shares in a company which is somewhere else and two is if she has uh, uh, the non domicile status says that you do not have plans to take up citizenship or you do not have plans to live in the uk for a long time you're just a temporary resident here which sometimes can be said as that if she has planned to move back to india as per her like tax uh, filings uh, that is like a big red flag if someone like rishi sunak who is the chancellor of the exchequer uh, does his incentive align with the british public right and i think this if he wants to become the prime minister is going to be like an albatross on his neck that any policy that he does say with respect to india apart from having indian heritage because if say uh, uk were to do like an fta or help with some sort of like data or it sharing or something of that sort does that policy help like his billionaire father in law or like nearly billionaire wife right because of the direct shareholding so i think that also comes into question and politics is brutal everywhere and uh, within yeah. the party itself obviously the people who are more aligned with labor are gunning for rishi sunak but also people within the party who look at him as competition for the top job right so i think politics is brutal everywhere uh, this is what it is and now it is for them to come over it so now akshata murthy has said that she will pay taxes like a uh uk resident and uh, i'm so not sure if there is people are asking whether it is only going forward or will she pay all yes, all her past exactly. years <laughs> so past years as well so i think uh even if she changes it this loophole has been used widely uh so it is uh it is a fact and uh, a lot of them even if they are working in the uk they kind of the days they spend abroad they try and take a tax rebate on that so uh anyway so either the government like maybe unlike the us which kind of tax your global income once you are a resident there a green card or a citizen uh this is uh remains to be seen if uk actually changes those laws because they benefit a lot from the spending from specifically the middle eastern uh, royal families and the princes who spend most of their time there right so uh it depends what happens but uh, it's a witch hunt for rishi suna that is for sure if he comes out of it stronger kudos to him on that note i mean you know for some of us who haven't really followed uk politics very closely what is uh, rishi rishi sunak's uh, you know chances of uh, being the prime minister of the country someday so earlier earlier they were pretty high as uh, uh, abhishek mentioned right he was within the top 2 3 uh, boris johnson's popularity was falling during covid uh, whereas rishi sunak's popularity was increasing uh the couple of budgets that he presented with uh, higher spending and like more allocations to nhs and uh, so trying to keep the economy running uh so he got a lot of positive press for it right so he was seen as potentially 
like as he said like between the uh, preeti patel rishi sunak obviously there were a few things there hasn't been an indian origin uh, prime minister in the uk uh, there could be some resistance against that but across the channel like in uh, ireland uh, you've had uh, an indian origin or half indian right uh, varadkar as a uh, prime minister and so similarly you could see that he had a very good chance because he's born and raised in britain right of indian parents so that was a great chance but the second thing is also uh, his background of being in goldman sachs and then private equity and so you're seen as like the very rich elite which probably anyways would have reduced his chances that he's probably out of touch has a billionaire father in law who is indian so now is all are all your policies aligned for the british public or well donald trump had a father in law who was not or he had actually two fathers in law who were not uh, american right so that didn't cause that much of a controversy because they weren't billionaires but yeah uh, this is something which is you would call a handicap for him uh, but who knows uh, to b- get the top job you have to go through jump through a lot of obstacles and you know uh, maybe he gets it someday yeah i mean trump is a is a maverick right i mean <laughs> exactly you can't you can't compare him to anyone else like one check politics. one one wife was check and one was slovenian now uh, the middle one was american so yeah so at least right. two father in laws who were like overseas citizens hemang palan has some interesting comments uh, on youtube he says uh, you know are there no right wing media ecosystem at all to call out the hypocrisy um i i think they might be complicit there right? is so i, I think in the uk uh, you would say like bbc is a little bit left leaning guardian is very left leaning uh, whereas uh, telegraph and the, i think the daily mail are more right leaning and then the sun is a tabloid which is like probably the most read even you see uh, difference between say bbc and sky or itv so i think uh, yeah uh, there is so you you have to understand that the right the more right leaning parts of britain and british media also do not like sunak right yes yeah. uh he's like and while the left feels he is too rich so like yeah. he's caught on both sides on this case right right yeah more interesting question um he says can we attract russian oligarchs with, to bring their wealth from uk to india <laughs> very unlikely but yeah yeah all right moving on uh we spoke about the sri lankan economic crisis uh, i think maybe the the last weekly or the weekly before that um india is now helping sri lanka which is in the midst of that economic crisis recently india announced 1 billion dollars as a line of credit to sri lanka to help shore up the sinking economy and keep their food prices and fuel costs under check so far india has supplied 270000 tons of fuel to ease the power crisis in the sinking economy protests are also being rallied against the rajapaksha family of politicians which are i mean sorry who are being blamed for the crisis scarce supplies of food and fuel along with the record inflation and blackouts have inflicted widespread misery in sri lanka's worst economic crisis since independence from britain in 1948 nirav we spoke about this earlier uh, and we also alluded to the fact that india should probably you know share a helping hand right uh, it's heartening to see that we're doing just that i uh, know absolutely i see one is uh, sri lanka uh, we share not just like we are neighbors you have a lot of old cultural heritage uh to be fair like even in terms of like society like uh, a lot of like 
the most frequent team to visit has to play cricket as well right so i think that is one thing uh two is like uh it had like kind of drifted a little bit towards china and uh, even from a like a geopolitical or a strategic uh, military sense uh, we rather have a neighbors who are friendlier to us right so uh, that is also there and uh, second thing is during the whole india and sri lanka relationship spoiled a lot uh, during the whole ltte crisis right and rajiv gandhi was shot dead etc and then we went mended it since then and again then they drifted away towards china so one is when your neighbors are not doing well it's really not good to not lend a helping hand uh, irrespective of whether you're trying to you don't want to be like a shylock and extract your pound of flesh back like it's that's that's not the case at all uh, but you want a, a neighbor which is friendly uh, two i think is we also need to learn lessons and indian media needs to highlight that how like sri lanka which was supposed to be the next economic superpower uh, uh, descended into such a situation so too much of debt uh, very quickly moving to 100% organic farming and too much wasteful spending right all of these things uh, make you more fragile that the shock about tourism collapsing due to covid and oil prices going higher totally derailed the economy right so we need to learn as well that we cannot be that profligate in spending need to tighten our belts etc and yes there has been uh, direct financial aid there's been a currency swap line uh, there has been a uh, food and fuel uh, both of them have been supplied right so that's a very big positive uh, i think uh, this is a heartening sign and uh, it's like uh, you've seen like a lot of ex sri lankan cricketers uh, tweeting thanks to like the indian health as well as like tweeting about the uh crisis in sri lanka but off the record like if you just see on instagram there are some members of the rajapaksha family who are actually showing off their wealth so one of them uh, the nephew bhanuka rajapaksha actually plays cricket for i think gujarat titans or one of punjab uh, in the ipl uh, he's been uh, highlighting the crisis in sri lanka but the other part has been like it's a bit of let them eat cake moment it it's it's really bad it's really sad uh, thankfully we don't see that much uh, within india so uh, even though there might be like really rich elites when the country was suffering through covid so anyways i think this is quite a nice positive thing uh, that india is helping them out and hopefully sri lanka comes out of the crisis and they themselves figure out that what really went wrong they have an honest assessment themselves and it's a small country a uh, small population so hopefully like it recovers well uh india adds a little bit of uh help on like the imf part where usually the imf uh, helps the foreign creditors a lot more instead of the con- country allowed to default and uh, uh grow its way out so hopefully india kind of like helps sri lanka to navigate that as well there are a few interesting comments as well right from uh, rahul gandhi uh, on you know how india is actually sri lanka but then we have not just we have not revealed it or something like that right so i think see i think uh, rahul gandhi uh, has a being an in an opposition party he actually has vested interests so see india has become like very polarized so every politician will want to kind of criticize that uh, so obviously they'll be throwing whatever it is right to try and put the other government down so that they can come in power so whatever fair comment 
I personally think uh, India has navigated the whole COVID crisis and this whole oil price shock reasonably well. Uh, maybe you can say, okay, it was a political maneuver. They didn't hike oil prices uh, for a long time, and then they increased 80 to 85 paisa a day for a month. So kind of you reached and you reached hike by 25 rupees, which is what it is. India actually did not cut fuel taxes or uh, during COVID they raised taxes, built up a big buffer. So that you did not see suddenly oil price collapse domestically. People used to get cheaper prices and then raising them a lot more later. And uh, India kind of played it counter-cyclically. Raised taxes when the fuel prices were low. When the fuel prices rose, they've cut taxes a bit. So I think India has navigated it in quite a good manner. India continues to be a poor country. That is fine. And uh, we are a lot less fragile because uh, one of the companies... Like, uh, in Indian economy, the big drivers and the big taxpayers, one section are the IT exporters who benefit when the rupee is weak, right? So we've got a diversified economy. We've done like reasonably good things. Agriculture, we grow a lot more food than we consume. So maybe I think the farm laws were needed. Maybe we need to kind of diversify our diets also away from rice and wheat or whatever. But we've not gone the crazy path where suddenly you go and do all organic farming, right? Maybe if you do it in a few states, few locations, few districts, see how it turns out, right? I think Sikkim in India does 100% organic farming. That is fine. It has a market for itself. But like a whole jump, we need to remember India was having like a food crisis in the 60s before Norman Borlaug came and we had the Green Revolution. So my parents actually have memories of that. So uh, we cannot just suddenly take that leap. And uh, hopefully we all learn from the crisis learn from others' mistake and not uh, make them ourselves. So, yeah, I think uh, that's all what I can yeah. say. So, Prasanna had an interesting tweet where he compared uh, the Sri Lankan economy to Kerala, the Kerala state economy, actually. Uh, and that was pretty interesting. Uh, the difference, know, again, like I think Kerala... Reliance on tourism and... Yeah. One positive thing which goes for Kerala is uh, you have a lot of uh, people from Kerala working in the Middle East and there's a remittance is much more, which Sri yeah. Lanka doesn't have that. See, maybe other things might be similar, give or take. But uh, Sri Lanka doesn't have that either. So, you know, uh, in terms of ability to wear, uh, weather a storm, uh, Sri Lanka is a little more fragile. All right, moving on. Uh, the first case of COVID XE variant has been found in Gujarat. Uh, last week, WHO discovered a new COVID mutant XE, which may be more transmissible than the BA.2 sublineage of the virus. One case of the XE variant has also been detected um, in the state. The health ministry denied a report that the XE variant was contracted by an Indian traveler stating the genomic constitution of the detected virus does not correlate with XE. Meanwhile, in Shanghai, the entire city has gone under a strict lockdown due to a resurgence of over 130,000 positive cases. Over 2,000 cases are being reported every day. Um, Nirav, Abhishek, I mean, I've been seeing some threads on Twitter, especially um, from Shanghai. I mean, it, it seems like, uh, you know, 2020 all over again, uh, it feels like almost. Yeah, I Abhishek. think the stories coming out of Shanghai are quite, uh, quite, uh, you know, disturbing. Uh, and uh, the Chinese uh, model of combating COVID continues to be that they want uh, zero COVID, which almost all of the rest of the world has had discarded long back. Uh, now they 
things they have the state capacity and state power to do all these things so essentially what is happening is there is no home quarantine the moment someone is uh, testing positive they are taking them away to some uh, quarantine facility uh, obviously with overcrowding happening now with many cases those facilities themselves are no longer very you know good or hygienic or whatever so uh, public anger is also building up due to that uh, uh, and again if you imagine uh, you know families where you know children are getting separated from their parents and and moreover all this is happening to people who are pretty like having asymptomatic cases or mild cases so you can imagine the frustration they would be feeling right so and then of course there are news of uh, food scarcity etc so pretty uh, weird kind of things happening uh, i would recommend folks to check out uh, uh, an interview of one of these people uh, patients on the channel unheard uh quite interesting to actually learn from someone who is actually dealing with the situation on the ground so they are in fact looking for four straight negative cases as well for release now just imagine how long that can take right so the person was saying that she has not even seen a single person get released in the last few days so it's quite quite and, and if you remember in india we don't even wait for a single case right uh, so, mm. sorry single negative test uh, because it doesn't make sense sometimes right you will keep getting those false positives or whatever you may be perfectly fine but you can still test positive right so uh, i don't know i mean the chinese model is the chinese model we can't think, really say much yeah, but it's it quite possi- strange Yeah. So it puzzles me right i mean because the mortality is supposedly low and the yeah, symptoms yeah. are mild so why are why are they like uh... so there are a couple of reasons i think you look at like so one is the xe variant in india right i think india will keep getting or all over the world you might keep getting variants as like the flu variants hopefully they are milder and our vaccines are uh, reasonably good enough to give you protection against like extreme sickness or like hospitalization or even death right and uh, uh, india is allowed like booster shots for everyone over 18 from today i think so uh, that's like a fantastic news as well so that part yes so india pretty much all of the west has kind of agreed to learn to live with covid that if you get covid after a few days if you are you move on with life and you know you take it as a sickness the problem so there are few things in china one is that uh, they were too early to you know be triumphalist and say that oh we've done a very good job and the west is all see look at them suffering and uh, there were a lot of on weibo uh, there were a lot of negative portrayal about india so very huge negative portrayal about india and the west in the us say that see these countries don't know how to manage it we have like zero covid policy and uh, we can't tolerate anything so the thing with getting 100% in anything right takes a lot of effort and sometimes the cost of getting it is a lot more than tolerating say 90% 95% 99% efficiency right this goes for anything so uh, that is one thing two is this is a year where xi jinping second term is ending in october and uh, he is looking for he's amended the rule uh, which had term limits so he's looking for his third term and now as per the term limits has been removed so long as the 
communist party the politburo keeps electing him inside by consensus uh, he can stay for life uh, pretty much like mao uh, did so that's another thing uh, where he doesn't want uh, like the policy that they've used in hong kong or like in shanghai has been they call it dynamic zero where anything pops up they shut down uh, shanghai has two parts uh, of the city so there's a river huangpu so pu dong so pu dong is east so east of the river was shut down first and pushi so all the business district all of that is there uh, she, uh, is west so pushi is west of the river they've now shut down the whole city which is now with very shut down 100% it's very difficult uh, to kind of have some food supply chains and they're like isolating pets isolating small kids uh, there have been uh, reports or like pets are being killed uh, as well because they could be carriers and mutations could come through them so it's been very very brutal to achieve something which you could say that there is a trade off that do you want like zero covid or you want a so normal life other thing and is second is they don't need uh, to election from the public the so, other thing yeah. is shanghai is like a uh, city which is well integrated globally right yeah. so yeah. when things were happening in some of their smaller cities we got yeah. to know much less Uh, but now Shanghai news can't be sort of contained, yes, right? It yes, will yes. go out. So exactly. that's also something. So like when Wuhan happened. was brutally locked down, yeah. we did not know much. Yes. Shanghai has a lot of expats living in there. You have a lot of. Uh, I mean, people are giving interviews like abroad, from from exactly. these uh, you know quarantine facilities, and they are not able to control it. I mean, I was actually worried about that person. she was showing her face and giving yes. an interview you know it's yeah yeah absolutely also with like 100% testing of the city yeah sometimes what happens is when you go out and queue up outside even if when you're given time slots even if you don't have covid you will get it once you, you go there up, yeah. right yeah. the so uh, that's what it is second thing is uh, statistically in other countries where like in the middle east or in uh, latin america where a lot of uh people were given sinovac or sinopharm uh statistically the chinese vaccines are weaker especially versus the variants so in other countries they've gotten boosters of either astrazeneca or pfizer moderna or like a lot of other ones right and then with the booster kind of they've done okay so like it's not as if like the vaccines are uh not uh, effective at all but they have lower efficacy and even if they are if uh good to prevent death or serious hospitalization the whole concept of like having real zero this is affecting global trade uh, the ports in shanghai are stuck and uh, supply chain bottlenecks will re- remain so i believe at least till october they have the national party congress uh, 1st october uh, 1949 is the uh, day the communist party took over uh, rule in china and then they have like some grand celebrations the whole week is typically a holiday first to 7th of october and after that they have a national party congress where uh, the next the team for the next 5 years is uh, decided and also there are talks about there being different factions within the chinese communist party and there is some kind of uh, uh, difference of opinions within there and this is also uh, shown as a show of strength or to show uh, the faction of xi jinping is showing its power and showing that oh that they are going to clamp down the disease altogether i believe that it's a very uphill battle to uh, fight with covid maybe the uh, 
the best form of immunization is you get a mild version of the disease which kind of keeps you immune from uh, any future variant so uh, it is what it is i think that's another crisis another one where we felt that yes india did struggle in the second wave the peak of it but we kind of lived with it and learned to move on so uh, that's that's one thing we we also had uh, the precautionary dose open up for 18 yes. years and above right um yeah interesting and i was seeing a twitter poll in fact i mean of course all of this is only anecdotal and very limited data uh, by no means accurate but uh, the the poll was interesting right i mean it had a few tens of thousands of votes and uh, uh, about 30 or 40% of them had said that they'll not take the uh, the precautionary dose right so so, so yeah though that again like what what might happen is a lot of people in india have gotten covid Correct. whether they yeah. knew it or not hmm. and uh, second thing is now bharat biotech and uh, 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 serum institute uh, they have like a huge manufacturing capacity which can be ramped up because people's opinions may change right now when you say okay there's almost like no disease why should i take another booster shot maybe things change uh, you also have like pills which control covid uh once you get the disease and uh, with the policy of like allowing home quarantine it doesn't stretch your resources too much also if anything covid has taught you that no strategy is permanent you've got to figure things out along the way yeah so hopefully uh indian authorities and authorities all over the world they learn to live with it and learn to uh i would say dynamic zero is too tough but like dynamically managing covid is the right strategy absolutely absolutely and we did uh, an episode with the author priyam gandhi modi on uh, you know how india managed the crisis do check it out it's a very comprehensive one uh, talks about various facets of covid management over the last couple of years um yeah that's something that you guys should definitely check out uh finally earlier this week ukrainian president volodymyr uh, zelensky engaged in an interview with uh, arnab goswami during this conversation president zelensky invited india to become a security guarantor for ukraine you also stated that the security guarantees and talks with putin could be a parallel process uh, he also spoke about the war being waged by russia pointing out the fake media narrative being propagated by putin uh, zelensky stressed that nobody can rule out the fact that russia is employing nuclear weapons in this war um i find it strange that you know i mean he's talking to an indian anchor right on an indian uh, yeah. news show uh but it seems like you know uh it seems like outreach basically to gather world support also one thing i think see uh you must remember uh zelensky was an actor and a comedian but like he's very articulate and uh, uh he's actually fluent in uh ukrainian russian and uh english right so uh that's one thing two is when you get news via like a spokesperson or via like multiple channels and like by the time like india gets any sort of uh, ukrainian news it's it goes through like a whole set of like uh, different filters so probably so here what zelensky is trying to do is uh, india is one of the big countries in g20 uh, which has kind of abstained from the vote in the un general assembly so against russia anyway russia has the veto so india voting one way or another wouldn't have changed anything uh, china also did uh he believes that india can be like a neutral uh party which can help mediate this whole uh, crisis and war see india has its own constraints uh, like war obviously is like a bad thing uh, civilians getting uh, hurt 
or like losing lives is like it's a very tragic thing right but india unfortunately has its own constraints about being dependent on russia for arms and also being uh, dependent on uh, energy imports where now india to keep india on its side uh, russia is offering a 35 dollars per barrel discount right so uh, that is one thing russia has a lot of leverage even over the west by energy exports so zelensky what he's trying to do is change trying to change the opinion and instead of reaching out to like the indian external affairs ministry or directly to pm modi what he is trying to do is given india is a democracy if enough indian people change their opinion then eventually the politicians will have to change their opinion right so he is trying to reach out to like a global audience like uh, and he believes uh, that this was one channel that he could reach out to like indian audience right and he's offered for talks with putin etc so he's trying to apply pressure uh, on russia or on indian leaders in a different way i think zelensky has to do what is best for himself uh, indian leaders have to do what is best for themselves uh, indian people if they really believe i think to be fair ukraine is a country which is very further out and uh, taking sides on either side uh, very vocally might kind of misfire right uh, it is like india needs to be neutral and needs to do what is best for itself uh, the whole situation is quite complicated few things which he mentioned so what zelensky mentioned was that the history of relationship india has is with the ussr and uh, ukraine was the second biggest chunk and the second biggest population uh, part of ussr after russia right so it's not just russia uh, ukraine has had a history of relationship with india uh second thing he kind of said that he was willing to talk to putin directly and try and resolve uh, whatever issues were there so yes uh, see in the fog of war there is a little bit of propaganda from everyone and uh, zelensky is playing his cards uh, i think he's done like a smart job for himself right mm-hmm. uh yes like it's a good thing and it's a good thing to come directly uh and him being like a very articulate person and fluent in english as well uh, that helped uh so the thing that he chose like say arnab and not like say like a doordarshan which is an official media or any of the other media was probably felt that that is a bigger reach right or who was willing to talk to him so uh, no, that's another doordarshan was ever going to be an option yes question was why arnab and why not say ndtv right yeah exactly but that is he, whoever reached out, out to which has the bigger numbers so. bigger numbers yes so i think he's trying to do that it's available on youtube so it's for uh, actually this interview uh, with arnab has been doing the rounds of like a chinese social media as well because i have like fr- chinese friends in singapore uh, they pointed it out to me and now it's on youtube it's freely available to all the english speaking world right which is like a much bigger population versus uh, say the european world only right which was like kind of very active Uh, or actively looking at it because it's on their doorstep so he's trying to change public opinion and uh, he's trying to do the best for himself the west has kind of paid lip service like they've given him some arms and some uh, like military equipment they've not really sent soldiers on ground uh, the west continues to buy oil from russia europe continues to buy oil from russia U- uh, us continues to buy uranium from russia uh, a lot of the sanctions have been kind of uh let's put it uh, uh they've been lame to be frank right so they've not affected russia that much 
or like change the course of war in one way or another uh this is being like a much longer war than probably even maybe russia expected so uh, who knows uh but yeah i think this is probably a template that other leaders might use in the future that you reach out to citizens of other countries uh which are democracies see why didn't you do it say for china because even if chinese public opinion changes they don't elect their own leaders right so leaders may choose or may not choose there you have to reach to talk to the leadership directly the public opinion doesn't matter as much in a democracy public opinion definitely matters and uh, this is a reflection of india's weight in geopolitics as well right so uh, that is one more thing uh, i think india needs to show leadership and try and mediate peace in whichever way but maintain neutrality without affecting its own interests i think that's the most important thing yeah no props to zelensky on media management right i mean he's been on point uh, i think since the since the war uh, itself right um, you know the other thing is i think props to arnab really i mean yeah. uh, the guy is soon becoming an international guy right i mean uh, he was recently viral for his comments against uh, uh, against nato basically yeah. right and uh, how russia has been supportive of india and so on i think the clip was circulated uh, far and wide uh, including chinese uh, uh, chinese uh, channels chinese twitter handles sharing it and so on right so so yeah i mean indian anchors have been in the have been in the international uh, news i mean i would say right uh, we had of course i mean rahul shivshankar go viral for completely different reasons as well <laughs> so <laughs> so well uh, that brings us to the end of the bharatvartha weekly for today uh, we have a fantastic episode coming up with uh, nirav of course and rahul bajoria of baklays uh so we're going to be talking about free trade agreements we've uh, discussed this uh, last week with the india australia free trade agreement and then we had the india uae free trade agreement as well sometime back uh, so we're going to discuss the significance of this and how it could be uh, an economic reform 2.0 as nirav calls it um, right uh, so this is going to be a very comprehensive episode uh, you should definitely check it out later this week so that's it folks thank you so much again for joining from abhishek nirav and myself Do stay safe take care and uh, see you next week